Well, we're continuing in our Famous Last Words series, and we got to part number three uh, today. And uh, first week, we, we learned about how Jesus on the cross said it was finished, and uh, what an incredible last word that was. I mean, I couldn't think of a better last word to say for Jesus than it is finished. And then last week, we talked about uh, the word follow me and what that all means. And today, uh, we're, we're, we're going to look at, 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 at a word that uh, is a little before Jesus said, follow me. And it was the first time that Jesus met the disciples and the first things that Jesus said to the disciples after he had died and rose from the dead. Now, for those of you who were born pre-1955 this morning, you will remember this pretty well. But in 1962, actually in October 1962, the world kind of came to a freeze. It came to a stop. Because... There was a fear that kind of transcended throughout the world. And if you lived here in the United States in 1962, in October 1962, you thought World War III was about to begin. And the reason for that is because they were right in the middle of the Cold War, and it was the Russians versus the United States. And for those of you who are pre, uh, like post Cold War and you have no idea what I'm talking about, just watch Rocky IV. You'll be good. And, uh, but you had, the, you had Russia versus uh, the United States. And uh, Russia had uh, put some weapons, atomic weapons, on the island of Cuba. And they'd secretly done it in the United States Air Force, had flown over Cuba, taken some pictures, and they'd seen these nuclear weapons in Cuba. Well, events transcended and every thought that World War III was about to begin. And towards the end of October, one Friday, everybody left work and they did not know if they would come back on Monday morning to the same place that they left. They didn't even know if they would be alive. Fear had totally gripped not just the United States but the whole world because they thought that World War III was about to begin. And I want to ask you a question today. What happens in your life When you are expecting the worst to happen. What happens? What do you do when you expect the worst to happen? How do you react when possibly your worst fears could happen tomorrow? You know, each of us, we react in different ways. Some of you, you might just like go into cave and uh, like dig a hole in the ground and hide. Some of you, you may just try to laugh it off and try to crack jokes, but really inside you're like really fearful. D- different people do, do different things, but some would say our true personality and feelings come out when we are under pressure. One thing is for sure though, is when life gets tough and life gets hard, fear becomes real. And no matter how many positive thoughts that you may have, fear often consumes our lives. Now, imagine for a moment that you have put all your eggs into one basket. You've trusted in one person with your entire life. You have fully supported this person. You have made public that, that you are in alignment with the views of this person. And then one day this person is arrested. They are judged and they are sentenced to death because of those views. You even watch as that person dies a terrible death. Now you are not only grieving for the loss of that person that you followed. 
Now you must be thinking that you're next. Because everybody knows that you agree with the views of that person. I wonder what each of us would do. Probably most of us would go into hiding. Our men would go into the men cave. Uh, women, you'd probably just go upstairs in your bed and put the covers over your head. And I, I'm not sure. But most of us, we would do something. We'd probably go into hiding. We wouldn't know what to do. We'd expect that every knock at the door is the authorities, or every phone call that we receive, it's somebody coming to take us. And this is exactly what happened to a bunch of disciples who followed Jesus. They had aligned themselves with Jesus. Jesus had been arrested and persecuted, and he died a terrible death because of his views, and everybody knew that these disciples followed the same views of Jesus, and they were terrified. Fear had struck the disciples. And I tell you this morning, when fear strikes, it consumes and it paralyzes you. I don't know what fears you may have had in your life, or at the moment you may have some fears, but you know that when fear strikes, it's almost like you can't move. You're just paralyzed. And some of us, we fear more than others. But no matter how fear, uh, uh, we react when fear comes along, fear paralyzes and it consumes us. Just like the Cuban Missile Crisis where Americans did not know what was going to happen tomorrow, what was going to happen next. It's exactly the same for these disciples. These disciples did not know what was going to happen. Fear had consumed them, and they were paralyzed. You know, the disciples, they should have known. Every time Jesus showed up in their life, or every time they were fearful or had problems in their lives, Jesus showed up. Their past experiences should have told them that there was no need to fear. But no matter what happened before in their lives, when fear strikes, fear paralyzes. And whether it was a fear from a storm that was just going to overthrow their boat when they were fishing one day, or if it was fear because the authorities were going to show up and arrest them and kill them, they were still fearful. And I want to pick up the story. Uh, And if you've got your Bibles, you can read along with me in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And starting at verse 19. Remember, Jesus has died. Jesus has been taken off the cross. And now the reports are circulating that Jesus is now no longer in in a tomb. He's no longer in his grave, but he's risen from the dead. And then this is what happens. John chapter 20, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of Jewish leaders. They were terrified. They were meeting in secret because they were scared that they were going to be arrested. Then it says, suddenly, Jesus was standing amongst them. It's like Jesus' party trick. It's like lock the door and, you know, Jesus suddenly appears. It's like, how did he do that? I don't know, but he's Jesus. So Jesus was suddenly standing among them. And he said this. He says, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed the disciples the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. When they saw Jesus, they were suddenly filled with joy. Then it says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So we see here, in the midst of fear, these disciples have got together. Suddenly, Jesus shows up in the middle, and the first words that he says to them is, Peace be with you. Now, what a statement this is. When life was anything but peaceful, life was in turmoil, Jesus comes and he brings peace. In in their fear, peace overcomes. And now look, just look what happens. The Bible says, it says, Jesus says, peace be with you. And Jesus showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. The Bible says, suddenly, they were all filled with joy. With joy. Notice what, what, what happened. The atmosphere changed. Suddenly the fear had gone and joy had replaced fear. And this I believe is exactly the same that can happen in our lives today. When Jesus shows up, there is joy and fear is expelled. Fear has no place when Jesus is around. And if you've got Jesus in your life, then you've got access to joy instead of fear. And this is exactly what happened with the disciples right here. However, this story and, and, and this day, it wasn't about the disciples being able to go to bed that night and get in their sleep number and go to sleep and have a nice night's sleep. It was more than that. Jesus had a purpose of turning up this day. And the purpose was this, Jesus wanted to impart in these disciples the ability to live out the purposes that God had designed and Jesus had planned for them. Notice in in verse 22, it says this, it says, Jesus breathed on them and then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And this is so significant. It's only a little verse, only a little words, but it is so significant what Jesus did that day to these disciples. And if you want to understand, if you've ever heard of the term, the Holy Spirit, and you don't understand, many people don't understand the Holy Spirit. You want to understand the Holy Spirit, you need to understand this verse and what happened. Notice it says, Jesus breathed on the disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got to know some people. And sometimes people, I like, I like personal space. You know, I love hanging out with people, but I like personal space. But there are some people, it's like they come right up to you and they'll talk. And like you can feel their breath, you know. And it's just like, ah, you know, it's just like you just don't like other people's breath. Well, Jesus invaded their personal space. Breathe, Jesus breathed on them. I'm just hoping he didn't have some like tacos before or something like that. But he breathed on them. And it is so significant, this is. And the reason is this. It's because whenever you see someone breathing on someone in the Bible, whenever God breathed, it produced new life. It produced new life. I want to show you. Exactly, just two examples of where this happened. 
At the very beginning, God has created the heavens and he's created the earth. He's created the fields and the seas and the animals and the birds and the flowers. And he did that in, in five days. On the sixth day, the Bible says he created human beings. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says this. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. So each of you were formed from the dust of the ground. So men, when your wives say, man, you're so dusty. I'm like, well, I'm formed from the dust of the ground. What do you expect? So the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Then it says this. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. So you've got God, the great creator. He's taken some dust and he's formed this this thing called man. But it's just a clay formation. Then suddenly God breathes. And that thing that once was dead now becomes alive. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then there's another example in the Bible, and I, I, lo- I love, I love this, this story. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is like, like halfway through the Bible. Just open your Bible in half, you'll find Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God, meaning that he heard from God, and what he heard from God, he spoke to others. And Ezekiel was a man, he had some strange visions, and God showed him some strange things. And in chapter 37, verses 1 to 10, it says this. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. So now this guy is having a vision, and he sees this valley that is filled with bones. I mean, just think of like Arizona and California, some of those like those deserts and valleys, and they're filled with like dead animal bones. Think of like that picture. It says in verse 2, it says, God led me around, all around, among the bones that were covered, that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. So these were like old bones. Verse 3, it says, Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people? And Ezekiel, being a little wiser than most, most of us, be like, no. But Ezekiel, being a little wiser than most of us, he said, Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. He's like, I'm not getting tricked here. Then in verse 4 it says, Then God said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And it says this, so I spoke the message just as God told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Now, seeing this vision, I'm thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. All these dead bones are now starting to move, and they're starting to come together. And now they're making these perfect skeletons. Then it says, then I watched, 
In verse 8, muscles and flesh formed over the bodies. Then the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. So now we've got these bones that are, that are everywhere. They've come together. They formed a skeleton. And now the strangest, weirdest sight ever is like their, their, their ligaments are coming in. Their muscles are coming in. Then skin is formed over them. And you've got this, this mass army of people who were just formed out of these dead bones. But they weren't alive. They were just bodies. Then it says this in verse 9. Then God said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds. Son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life, stood on their feet, a great army. What happened? God breathed and these dead bodies came to life. Whenever God breathes, there is new life. Every time God breathes, people received renewed life. And this is exactly what Jesus did this day to these disciples. He may have got a little too close Maybe invaded their personal space. But when Jesus breathed on them, he was signifying he was giving new life to these disciples. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives new life. Now, for those of you who grew up in church, this may sound a little very churchy. For those of you who are familiar with different denominations and and backgrounds, it may seem very Pentecostal to you. But the reality, it, it isn't. What Jesus did that day, when he breathed on them, he did it for a purpose. And Jesus doesn't do stuff just for the sake of doing them. The Holy Spirit isn't there just so a few people can have a strange church experience. No, the Holy Spirit is very intentional and it is for a specific purpose. And the Holy Spirit is there for you and for me. And the words that Jesus said just before he breathed on these disciples and gave them new life show us exactly why these disciples needed something called the Holy Spirit. And this is why. They needed new peace. In order to overcome old fear. New peace in order to overcome old fear. The disciples were followers of Jesus. We've already discussed they lived in fear. You know God had huge plans for these men. He had purposed them to travel along dangerous roads. He, He had purposed them to stare fear in the face. And just laugh at fear. Jesus had a purpose that they would bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. And yet their old self could not do it. The moment things got hard, what did they do? They hid because they were fearful. 
I mean, how are these guys going to go off to the nations and tell the nations about Jesus? How are they going to go to kings and to prime ministers and presidents and princes and tell them about Jesus? How are they going to go to the guy on the street corner who is just strung out on drugs? And how are they going to tell them about Jesus? These guys were fearful. There was nothing in them that was going to be able to do what God wanted them to do. And Jesus says this in John chapter 20. As soon as he met them, he says, peace be with you. And then again, Jesus says, peace be with you. You see, there's something about peace. And I'm not talking about hippie, hey, peace, man. I'm talking about the peace that we have within us. When, when trouble comes, when life gets tough, and we don't know what tomorrow may hold, there's something within us that tells us everything's going to be okay. It's something that, that, that takes away fear, and it comes in our place, and we can be fine. When the world is falling around us and things are going bad and, and, and maybe we just don't have enough money in our, in our checking account to pay the checks, uh, to pay the bills or, or our kids are like just totally doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing or, or people are saying all these different things about us or our relationships are failing and we should be fearful and we should have turmoil and our stomach should be turning over and we should be beside ourselves and be sick. There is something called peace that comes and makes us feel okay. When the whole world looks at us and thinks, you should not be okay. There's something called peace that makes us feel okay. And this is what peace does. Peace guards your heart and it guards your emotions. It guards your hearts and it guards your emotions. And this is what I've discovered. Whether you are a believer of Jesus this morning or you're not. God has a purpose for you. And God has great things for you. But you will not be able to do anything great for God with an exposed heart. If your heart is exposed, then fear can come and take you down. Doubt can come and just paralyze you. Negativity can come and just take all that joy away from you. Insecurities can come and stop you from making the next step. Because an exposed heart cannot be used by God. And peace is like a warrior. And it stands at the door of your heart. And it guards it. And I believe it is the role of the Holy Spirit to bring peace. Peace into your life. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive peace. I don't normally like to jump around from verse to verse and, and things like that, just so we can stay in like one, one section. But in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, it, I mean, it just describes this so well. So I, Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, it says, You will experience God's peace. Which exceeds anything that you can understand. You can't understand God's peace. When life is like in turmoil. When it feels like World War III. You don't understand feeling good about yourself. That, that, that isn't natural. But God's peace says that we can do this. Then it says, His peace, God's peace. 
will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One of the benefits of following Jesus is that his peace will guard your heart and your mind. If you follow Jesus with your life, then when trouble comes, yeah, fear may stare you in the face and you may start shaking and trembling. You may not know what tomorrow may hold, but then suddenly God's peace comes in and it's like this warrior that just comes with a samurai sword and just slashes fear away. That is what peace does and that is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives because the Holy Spirit brings peace. And these disciples, they got peace. They were filled with joy when Jesus showed up. But there was also another reason why these disciples needed the Holy Spirit. Jesus continues to say to them in John chapter 20. He said, after peace be with you. He said, so as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus, at that moment, commissioned these men for a great work. Jesus had a plan for them. Jesus had a purpose for them. And in the same way, I believe that Jesus is saying the same to you today. As God has sent me, so I am sending you. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have designed you for a great work. You've been made for a reason. And I'll be honest, the old disciples, they were good for nothing. Yeah, they could follow Jesus wherever Jesus went. When when, when Jesus uh, fed the 5,000, they were like, yeah, that's right, I'm with Jesus. You know, when when Jesus uh, released the demon-possessed man, they were right behind Jesus. And they were like making fun of the demons because they were behind Jesus. When, 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 When the sick people came to Jesus and Jesus healed them. They were right behind Jesus and said, yeah, we follow Jesus. You know, check what Jesus can do. But now Jesus has gone. Jesus isn't there anymore face to face with them. How are they going to cope? These old disciples were good for nothing. When the going got tough, they hid in fear. And that's why Jesus had to breathe new life onto them. They had to become new people. In order to make them ready so that they could receive the Holy Spirit. For I believe it is the Holy Spirit's purpose to guide them through the path what God has planned for them. And then to give them the ability in order to live out the purposes that God has for them. You know, Mark chapter 16 tells us this. Jesus told the disciples... He says, there's going to be a day that you're going to do greater works than whatever I've done. I mean, think Jesus did some pretty incredible things. And now he's saying to, to, to these bunch of fishermen, you're going to do greater things than ever I did. Jesus tells them, he says, that you are going to perform miraculous signs. He says that you are going to overcome demonic power. He tells them, he says, you're going to speak in new languages that you've never learned. He tells them, he says that as you walk on the journey that I've purposed for you, if you step on a snake, the snake won't harm you. If you drink poison, the poison isn't going to harm you. Jesus told them, he says that you are going to heal the sick. 
You're going to be able to speak with boldness to people that you never thought that you could speak with boldness to. And these fishermen from Galilee, they would not be able to do it by themselves. And God has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And you cannot do that by yourself. There's no one on earth could do the purposes that God has planned for them by themselves. And that is why if we want to walk in the purposes that God has for us, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, the Holy Spirit to go with us, and the Holy Spirit to prepare the way for us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys told me, he asked me, said, at what point when you were like younger and you were shy and you feared speaking in front of people, at what point did you were able to speak in front of people. And trust me, I get fearful every Sunday morning. Speaking in front of you guys, trust me. My spirit turns over, I'm like, oh no. But I remember God specifically did something in my life when I just experienced the Holy Spirit like I'd never experienced it before. And I remember when the Holy Spirit started doing a work in my life, I was able to do things that naturally I cannot do. I'll be honest and transparent with you this morning. Worst thing about being a pastor. There's lots of great things about being a pastor. Worst thing about being a pastor is having an honest conversation with someone. Someone's not living their life or doing things that they shouldn't have. Sometimes as a pastor, I, I need to talk with them. I need to confront them. And that is not me. I am not the confrontational type. I even struggle to confront my wife, you know, when, when we're having issues. Because I, that isn't me. But all I know is that there's something when the Holy Spirit is inside of me. Everything within me says, no, you can't do it. But then I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Say, yes, I'm going before you. I can do it. It's almost like, you know, the, the devil on the shoulder and the, and, the, and the angel on the shoulder. But the Holy Spirit is the one that leads you to do things that you never thought that you would be able to do. And these disciples could not do what God had planned for them unless they received the Holy Spirit. And like I said, I believe that God has great purposes for each and every one of you. But the task is too great. You you don't have anything within you that is going to be able to do it. And that is just the way that God wants it. Because if you go by yourself, you're going to be freezed with fear. You're going to be paralyzed with doubt. That, That you're going to be consumed with your insecurities. However, I believe today that Jesus is wanting to breathe new life into you. Just like dust became a man. Just like a a valley of dry bones became a living army. Just like a bunch of fearful fishermen became world changers and did things that we could not even think about doing. I believe that God is wanting to breathe on you today. So that you will be transformed into someone who is ready to receive the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit that you will be able to come everything that God has ever planned for you to be. You know, before Jesus left this earth, he made sure his disciples were ready to receive. And you may be stuck in fear today. 
You may feel weak. You may feel that you have nothing to offer, nothing to give. But I believe before you leave this place today that Jesus is wanting to breathe new life into you. Maybe it's a passion that you had that died. I believe that God is wanting to breathe new life into you so that you regain that passion. Maybe it was a love for God that you once had. I believe that Jesus is wanting to breathe new life into you and you regain that love once again. Maybe it's a passion for your spouse or for your kids and you know that just well over the years. God is wanting to breathe new life into you and breathe new life into that marriage and that home and that family. God is wanting to breathe new life today and this is what he's saying. Just like he said to disciples, receive the Holy Spirit for you can't go on this journey without it. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. So if you want to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As we close this service today, I want you to give you an opportunity just to receive from God. Maybe you're in a place and you're struck by fear today. You're paralyzed by fear. I believe God is wanting to breathe his peace into your life. Maybe... You're in this place today and you know that God has got greater things for you than you could possibly imagine. But you've let your own abilities and insecurities and doubts and fears just tame that purpose down. God has wanted to breathe into you again today. And I'm going to pray in a moment. And as I pray and we'll close the service I want you to ask God one question. Breathe new life into me. Let me receive your Holy Spirit. And then after I pray, then we'll dismiss. And then I want to do something we don't do very often here at Generation Church. But if if you want prayer today, if you feel that you you want to receive from God, you want a a, a new fire from God, a new breath from God, new life from God, if you want to just receive more of the Holy Spirit, I want you just to come at the front, just come and sit on one of the chairs at the front. And I want to pray with you and and, and pray that God will just breathe that into you today. But if that's you today, just right now as I pray, just start to ask God, God, just breathe new life into me as you did to the disciples. Breathe new life into me. So, Father God, this morning, we just come before you. God, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, we thank you that you look on us and you see Somebody that you can use. Someone that you have designed for greater purposes than what we see right now. Father, we thank you today that you have just not left us to go by this life ourselves. But you have promised to walk with us, to be beside us. And you've promised to leave the Holy Spirit who will comfort us and guide us and direct us. And give us the ability to do what you have purposed to do. And today, God, we feel like those disciples. Sometimes the struggles of this life, the fears of this life just hold us back. 
But Jesus, today we ask that as you did to those disciples that you will do to us. That you will breathe into us that we can receive new life. Breathe into us again, God, that we can receive new life. You told your disciples to receive the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, today we just, our arms are open wide to you. We ask that you'll come and work in us, fill us, do something new in us today. That we may be part of a church that glorifies you. That our lives may glorify you. That in all that we do, it may glorify you. Give us a peace. Give us an understanding. And give us your Holy Spirit. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning, as you leave, like I said, if you want prayer this morning, then just come forward after we, we finish and, and I'll be glad to pray for you. You know, if, if you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus, then uh, we would love to, to, to hear from you. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. There's uh, some uh, Bibles out on the, if you don't have a Bible out on the welcome desk out there. There's also uh, a little book like a new believer's guide. If you don't know much about Christianity or, or you know, the Bible, then it's just a little guide to, 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 to help you in uh, just uh, understanding a few more things. But if that's you today, I would love to hear from you. Stop by and, and, and talk with me. I'd love to, to, to pray with you. But I believe that God has great purposes for every one of us. And as we leave today, let us go this week knowing that God is with us. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. And no matter where we go, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ today, his Holy Spirit is guiding, his Holy Spirit is directing, and his presence is right with you. Well, let's stand and let's just pray a blessing over you, and then uh, you can get going. So, Father, this morning, God, we thank you for all that you've done. We pray, Lord Jesus, a blessing over each and every one of us today. God, as Moses prayed of old, let the face of God just shine upon us. And this week we pray that your face will shine upon us. Bless us in our work. Bless us in our school. Bless us in our home. In all that we do, bless our marriages and our families. God, But in everything that we do, let the blessing of God be upon us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Must I pray, must I pray to you? How long must I wait, must I wait for you? How long till I see your face, see you?